When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners of the Mad Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cogswell, here with my co-host, Marie Mayhew. What's up? We wanted to, we wanted to welcome you all to a new season of the Mad Scientist Podcast. Season seven. I don't even know what season it is, Marie. This Not episode, season this season, we're going to start off with a look into the history of some particular archaeological kind of, I guess, finds and things that we find fascinating in this first episode we just wanted to talk about kind of the general psychology and background and ideas and things behind treasure hunting because really if there's one thing that's kind of at the common core of all of these stories of people who go out there in the early days of archaeology it's all of them wanted to get rich treasure treasure is the name of the damn gamery love it we're gonna get into on this episode of the mad scientist podcast Okay, Jake, roll the tape! (laughs) I wonder what Jake... Do you think Jake likes treasure hunting? Should we take him with us? Oh, I'm sure Jake loves treasure hunting. If it's anything like trying trying to edit out every time I say right... Or breathe heavily on this on these shows. I'm sure he loves treasure hunting. I'm sure it's something he's deeply invested in and into. Jake, Jake, Jake could come with us with like an iPhone and just be like, "Look at these morons, God, idiots." <laughs> he's gonna take out a life insurance policy on either of us and just just hope it works I, out. <laughs> yeah. So, listeners, for, for for if it wasn't made clear by our uh, our our introduction, which was one of our least rambling by far. Um, we're oh doing God. treasure hunting this episode. We're going to do a little. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, Marie, mm, uh, mm, mm, lead, mm. lead us off here, Marie. This was your idea for an episode. Well, yes. Yes. And I'm asking you, I'm being an engaging interviewer, and I'm saying, what was your, like, what was your first, why do you care about treasure? Like, is it, like, what was your, like, as a young child, were you out digging up the backyard? Like, what was it? So everybody has some story. Yeah. So some kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was a kid, I was actually obsessed with the idea. So near our house in Staten Island, there is a part of the island that so Staten Island is famous for like two things and like neither of them are good. It's famous for like, (laughs) you know, raising and creating the uh, I, I don't know the I hesitate to call it. A, a soup, but I guess kind of like the, you know, the disgusting goop from which um, the Jersey Shore show came up, came about and all those cast members essentially were raised. Ah, uh, yes. So that's one thing that Staten Island is famous for. The other thing that Staten Island, the other thing that Staten Island is famous for is a dump. Um, Staten Island was like the largest dump in, I want to, I want to say North America or even the world potentially. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but when I was a kid, I remember in school, they would tell us that, you know, well, the dump is so big it can be seen from space. It's like one of three or four things that can be made out specifically from space. One of which was like it was like the Staten Island dump, um, like the Great Wall of China, <laughs> like you know, and like Mount Rushmore. I don't know. I have no idea. Is I'm that- sure the thing is that the dump, like the dump, is big, but it's like 
I don't know. It is. It takes up like a third of the island, and the island is pretty damn big. It's the Staten Island is the biggest part of yeah. New York City. But anyways, whatever. I We're bet not, there's. I bet there's treasure in that dump. Well, so here's the thing, right? When I was a kid, mm-hmm. attached to the dump. So on Staten Island, as you're going to the dump, on the the dump is kind of on like the left hand side of this road that I'm thinking of, and so but there's like kind of a marsh in between there. So there's like there's a lot of land separating the dump from the rest of the island kind of and the mall, the Staten Island mall is right across the way from the dump. But so mm, mm, mm. first of all, you are doing wonders for Staten Island tourism. Oh, sure, right it's now. great. There's no reason to visit. Please don't. Um, so <laughs> the only reason to visit Staten Island is to get a chicken roll from Sal and Lloyd's pizza place in Eltingville. Mm, the only reason anyways. Nice. So, um, so the dump is kind of the dump is across from the mall, but then it uh, from the dump there's like a river that kind of has runoff coming from the dump. It's not really a river. It's again, it's more like swampy wetland. Like Staten Island is very like like other parts of of, of New York and and New Jersey and kind of that part of the East Coast. There's it's a lot of it's very swampy. There's a lot of like marshland and stuff. So the water from that kind of got, I guess, mingled with the waste and the toxic chemicals and whatever. And so it created this area that it's completely off uh, limits from people. Like there's, there are these fences up. And when I was a kid, there were these signs that said, you know, don't go here. There's it's, it's toxic waste and whatever. And there's a, mm-hmm. there's a paper plant that also mm-hmm. was giving off pollution, mm-hmm. like a paper mill. Oh, so anyways, God. so when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the idea that in this area, in this part of Staten Island that we're not allowed to go to, mm-hmm. that there was mm-hmm. something there. I don't know if it was treasure, if it was a UFO, if it was, you know, Bigfoot, like a Bigfoot party, this disgusting part of land, you know, as opposed to it just being like, you know, uh, death from toxic shock toxic. syndrome or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was kind of my thing was oh, I, I, I had this very like romantic view as a kid that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go find this treasure someday because mm-hmm. it's right here. Mm-hmm. And the weirdest it's, thing too, Marie. off limits. The weirdest thing too. T- you can't go there. There's a hot. The first thing you're doing, man. Uh-huh. There's a parkway. The Korean War Vet- uh-huh. Veterans Parkway was supposed to continue at some point. And so there's actually an overpass. There's this. It's like a highway that connects the outer bridge going to Jersey to um, the highways that become um, sort of. It connects to another, like by the mall, essentially on Staten Island. That highway, though, initially would have continued onto an overpass. Then, when I was a kid, I never put this together. It's just an empty overpass. It doesn't go anywhere. It's an overpass that goes up and it goes into mm-hmm. that part of the. It goes into that part of the. It looks like it goes into that part of the island that I'm talking about. That's like toxically polluted, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's just empty up there. Mm-hmm. So. Anyways, so there was a lot of mystery there, and like you know, it just it was, seemed interesting. Oh yeah, there was no reason that there was there was any treasure there or anything. But yeah, I, I thought you know, that was my that was like my first, I'd say, career plan. <laughs> you know, was find that treasure there was 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 to map out that area and then get the bolt cutters right, get the bolt cutters and then and clip your way through the fence. Yeah, right, that, with your backpack on and go and dig for treasure. Right, I probably I probably would have been murdered. Like, you know, by, I don't know, by a, you know, by some kind of, I don't know, criminal living out there or something. I don't know. No idea. Anyways, what was your first take on treasure hunting, Marie? Oh, my God. Well, it's like, I know that I always talk a lot about Star Wars, but I think like growing up as a kid, 
I was obsessed with the Indiana Jones movies. I loved the Indiana Jones movies. And I think it's just like, again, it's just this huge, to your point, this romanticized view of whatever this is that, you know, you're going and you're finding something and there's clues and there's obstacles, but, you know, through sort of perseverance, you're able to figure this stuff out. And I remember like thinking, oh my God, being an archaeologist would be such an awesome Awesome. Like, that's a really cool career. And Adrian McCarthy, who was in my class, was such a buzzkiller. And he was like, well, it's nothing like Indiana Jones. So you shouldn't think it was like that. And I was like, shut up, Adrian. I know that. And it was like kind of heartbreaking because I kind of hoped it was like Indiana Jones, you know, as an archaeologist, kind of. Yeah, because that's what he did in the movie. So I was like, yeah, that that would be a good job. And Adrian had to go and just kill it for me. So thanks, bud. Um, but that was like the big, that was the big thing that I really loved. And I love that movie. And also uh, Goonies, right? The yeah. kids movies Goonies. I remember even watching that like, you know, in college and just being like, there's so much wrong with this movie. There's so many stereotypes. There's so much really kind of not good stuff in this movie, even though it's Spielberg, even though, especially because it's Spielberg. But I'm just like, oh, my God, I just want them to find the treasure of one-eyed willies and just save their save their house. And I was so like it was just again, it's just like, you know, you're you this over romanticized idea of of something that is unknown and how you and your group of scrappy friends are going to be able to go and find it is is. Something that's so appealing to that. And so, like, that's sort of one of the things that I started to think about, too, when, you know, we were talking about treasure hunting. And even with your story, it's like, okay, clearly that area was, in Staten Island, it was probably not safe. No. Hygienic. No. <laughs> scenic. Uh, or even, even you know, even, you know, yeah, just, it was probably just awful. But, like, how, you know, you as a young kid, like kind of romanticized it and was like, yeah, I bet there's something buried there. I bet there's something. If you go in there, there's, they're hiding something because they don't want you to, they don't want you to know. But, you know, if, if you persevere, you're going to be able to find that out. It's like, what is that type of, uh, like that type of psychology? So that, that got me thinking about in talking about treasure hunting, like, what is the type of psyche or psychology that treasure hunters have? Because there are people that actually do this for a living, even into even today. Yeah, right? well, yeah. So we, I mean, we say we say for a living. We, <laughs> you know, well, it's, a yeah. little, it's a little bit, it's a little bit hand waving there. The, you know. Well, for, that's what they do with the uh, that's what they do with their uh, with their um, with their parents' money, right? Or with yeah, their with yeah. their trust fund? Yes, yes. Right, a lot of the, yeah, a lot uh, of these I'm people. It, we're saying that we're saying that. Yeah, a lot yeah, of a lot yeah. of these people, at least historically, start out with money somehow, or yes. they are very convincing. I mean, essentially, con men, quote unquote, sales people. <laughs> you know, yes, sales yes. people. Sales <laughs> people. Yeah, you know, where They're selling where, you on where I'm they can kind of convince. Treasure. You know, they can, yes. yeah, they can they can convince a rich person that listen, I have this mm -hmm. map, mm -hmm. I have this idea, we're gonna find it, whatever. In the modern mm -hmm. day, it's almost more because there are still people that consider themselves. I think in the modern day, are people that would like you know, ancient aliens is a really good example of that. You have these, you know, jackasses going around <laughs> trying to. You know, trying to um, 
to find lost uh, lost treasure or trying to find lost sites or whatever. And, you know, every once in a while, you'll get stories like this. Like there was one there was one a couple of years ago about a Canadian kid who said that he had found. He had found um, a new Mayan site using Google Earth. Mm -hmm. You know, he was just like, well, look, this square could never have existed otherwise. And then a bunch of archaeologists came out and just like crapped on him. You know, and they were like, that's no, nope, nope, nope. But, you know, people oh. still do that kind of stuff. And it's, um, it's weird. Well, hey, look at, uh, look at the Curse of Oak Island now on History Channel for how many seasons now? Yeah. How many seasons is this now? 17, 18 seasons? I don't or know. Something, it's ridiculous. Right? Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. I mean, it is ridiculous. But I mean, come on. We've discussed this before in some of our way back episodes and, you know, just in general. I mean, you can't tell me that if you start thinking about it and you start reading about it, you're like, yeah, man, you know what? That sounds like something that's out there. And I know in my heart of hearts that if it was up to me and I had the wherewithal and the licenses or whatever to go onto that island, I would just be like, let's just nuke it. Let's just bomb this thing, split it in two and see what's underneath it. You yeah. Because again, I am not – that's the thing that's awful about treasure hunting is I think it – it starts off with this kind of idea of, again, this romanticized hunt, uh, an intellectual process that you are going to research and study clues. But really what it comes down to is like almost hardcore pillaging, right? Like you're going to have to, and what's happened sort of again in, in Oak Island is they've basically, uh, you know, from at least the last hundred years, just torn the island, destroyed, torn it apart, <laughs> trying to trying to find it something. Area. Yeah, right? well, and, yeah, they found weird stuff. There's something going on there, but I mean, it doesn't it doesn't speak to your better nature. I think is again, like, well, it's similar the one thing that's really strange. It's a very, it's a very, I think, it is an it is an intensely, I think, sort of Western view of the world too mm -hmm. that. um that we, even if we did find it, right? If they find that treasure, mm -hmm. should it belong to them? <laughs> you know, I mean, well. it's it's kind of that idea. I think it's kind of that idea too. I mean, we see this a lot with uh, mm -hmm. with other other kind of cases of say mysteries, right? The one mm -hmm. that springs to mind always with these types of discussions is the people who claim to have alien skulls or mummies. That are just indigenous, the remains of indigenous people. Yeah. Um, that they yes. claim, no, this is an alien, but it's not. It's just someone, some poor person's remains, you know? Yeah. It's like a crazy That's thing to think that we know better than. <laughs> we, right. We, oh, right. no, no. We, I know what right. this is. I'm an expert at this. this I've alien. been doing this I'm for two months. It. Yeah. Anyways, all right. So, so what is so what is it that what is it that we think drives us to do this kind of stuff? Drives what makes it, well, us think, want so to a, do this? I think there's a couple of things, and one of the one of the things that I was reading about was saying that we have sort of this inherent tendency to to seek out or to see patterns, right? And so we could argue that this is almost evolutionary, right? That if you can see a pattern that is a face. Uh, that it is something that you can try and relate to, right? Or if you can see something that is hostile or if it could be a threat, you know how to react to it. But people intuitively try to 
rationalize and to create patterns in pretty much everything. So that's normal. I think that that's, again, a normal human process. I think the problem is, is that you can also go the complete opposite direction and begin to see patterns in everything. So you can begin, and this is, again, this is a confirmation bias. This is sort of the the conspiratorial mindset is I can make an association from one thing to another, to another, to another, and none of these things will have have anything in common, but I can create one narrative between all of them to get to an end goal that may or may not have any type of rational or logical basis. And so again, like I, this is especially the true when you start to talk about uh, when you start to talk about treasure. So if I've got a treasure map, and again, let's just use Oak Island because it's so good to use Oak Island for. So, I mean, there's a million different things that people have said are, that's buried on Oak Island. So here's this little island, this little, like, you know, strange little island off the coast of wherever, you know, uh, in Canada. And it has everything from... uh the Grail, or not the Grail? Yes, yeah, the Grail. They think the Grail might be there. The lost works of Shakespeare, um, perhaps it's Mayan gold. Uh, I mean, it's like so. None of those things are the least bit associated with one another, except for the fact that they are of some huge, unattainable, un- almost unknowable value. Right, the works of Shakespeare. Uh, the, the, a religious artifact, gold from an ancient civilization. So and how, what's the narrative that would put any of those three things on that island? How do you get, what's the recipe that somebody has to go through, the machinations that you mentally have to go through to get to that endpoint? And that's what I think is almost incredible of anyone's mind because you'll do it, like, and you won't even know you do it. You're like, yeah, you see that cross? That cross looks like a Rosicrucian cross from ba 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 ba. It's there. Yeah. Well, I mean, we do we do that kind of stuff all the time, right? I mean, it's it's I think part of like you said, part of it is the pattern in that pattern forming thing, right? The one example of this I always like to tell people to think about because this is actually when I was a kid, I I remember reading about this in a book, and I don't remember what book it was, but I remember reading about this in a book, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't I, like I don't know, do I do that? And then. My this is this is kind of a silly, embarrassing story. The uh, the bathroom Sweet. where I was reading said book in um, as like, you know, a toddler, like like or not a toddler, but, you uh-huh. know, like a like a kid, like whatever middle school, whatever the heck it was like Elmo on the potty on that, you know, on that gif. Whatever. Um, I was 32. Whatever, whatever, whatever it was, fine. whatever it was last week. Whatever. Um, the whatever. door is wood. And so in the patterns mm-hmm. in the wood, if you look long enough, you start to see like faces and little images and whatever. Yep. Yep. Just because your brain picks out the patterns, right? Um, yep. What's yep. What's interesting, I think, is what you're saying, which is that further leap of because it doesn't just take. I think it takes a great deal of pride as well, or, or kind of self assurance, to not only think that, not only think that these patterns exist, and they to to ignore all other possible connections to them, but also to mm-hmm. think that you have some part in the story to play, right? You're, you're the one, you know, you bill the, the, the auto mechanic from Boise. You're the one who's going to, you know, break this one open. Yes. 
Well, and it's I a think, weird yeah. kind of uh, it's a weird kind of pride, I think. And it is very much so a uh, I want to say again, almost this this neo colonial sort of entitled attitude, especially when you're talking about an indigenous treasure that does not belong to you in the first place, which we'll be going into later. But I think it's again, it's this idea of um, of it being an observational bias, right? And so there's something called the streetlight effect or the drunkard search, which is sort of uh, it, that people only search for something where it's the easiest place to look. So there's this well-known joke that a policeman sees a drunk searching for something under a streetlight and asks what, what that drunk has lost. He said he's lost his keys. So they both search under the streetlight together. After a few minutes, the policeman asks if he is sure that he lost them under the streetlight. And the drunk replies, no, he lost them in the park. The policeman says, well, why are you searching under the streetlight? And he, the drunk replies, well, this is where the light is. <laughs> so, and I think that, that that is actually pretty much a very good, uh, sort of, again, a good observational biased example that you could use with uh, treasure hunting. Because basically, you're looking where you're looking where you have created the most narrative as well, right? I mean, again, like I, I I'll keep picking on Oak Island, but you keep finding things that yes, they're they're strange, but you keep enforcing why they're strange because you keep building a case for it. Like, oh yeah, we found this coin, um, we found this coin, and it was buried X amount of under underground or you know right. we had to dig da 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 and there might be there there could be reasons for it to be there that aren't that aren't treasure hunting oriented but you know that's not nearly that's you know as soon as you start to add up like anything else you find you start to create a stronger narrative for that well, as well it's, it's part of this overall thinking too or this kind of general error that happens mm-hmm. in these kinds of cases where we see it, we see, you know, we talked about it with when we talked about the Morgellons episode, where you mm-hmm. as a person every day filter out a lot of information. And some of that information you filter out is stuff on your body, even stuff you may not recognize as being filtered out, or you wouldn't think you'd normally filter out. So one day you start looking at your skin and you're like, oh my crap, you know, what is this? What is this mole? When did I get a mole? And that thing must have been mm-hmm. growing for months and months, but you just never realized it. In the case of someone with Morgellons, they, they make the jump to think something must have caused this to happen quickly. And what is it? And then they start to look and they start to see, well, look, there are these, there's like stuff on my skin that I don't like, shouldn't be there. Right. What's this thread? What's this, mm-hmm. uh, what's this little scab? What's this cut? What's this on and on and on and on and on. It's the same thing with UFO mm-hmm. sightings, right? If you think that you are prone to UFO sightings, you will have you lots of UFO sightings because everything in the sky that normally you would just filter out, suddenly becomes important and interesting and and valid. You know, every drone, yes. every single space station, every single star, every single plane, every single whatever becomes meaningful to you. It's the same thing here. And it actually, I think, goes into some of our, I think, I think some of our favorite treasure hunting stories. But first off, speaking of treasure hunting, Marie, it's time for a word from our sponsors. Absolutely. Boomts. Ah. 
I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, Cogs. All right. I don't care who knows it. I love, I love, I love the treasure hunting. <laughs> and I know fun. that there's a lot of baggage. I know there's a lot of baggage that goes with it. It's not good. It's not, a, I'm not proud to say it, but I do love it. I love all of it. Um, I think one of the things that kind of is interesting too, but maybe helps endear treasure hunting to people is that there is a lot of, religious undertones to the idea of the treasure hunt besides the fact that you know a lot of a lot of your most famous hunts are for religious iconography right there's also the idea that you are going on a quest and you are sort of almost using a or searching for a higher power uh, to guide you on this journey, right, of something that is that that is the unknown, that the uninitiated aren't supposed to see. Like all of these other people will fail, and you will be the one that succeeds through faith, right? Through right. being the true believer, will the leap of faith will get you to uh, will get you to the knowledge, right? Which is there is an answer. So at the end of all of these clues. If you, you know, you, you're following the dotted line on your treasure map and, you know, you're leaping over the pit of alligators and you're swinging across the, you know, the jungle, da, 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 X is the, is the answer. And that answer is the height is, you know, almost, almost to this point of, uh, almost, you know, a, a, a godlike vision of something, right? It's, it's something huge. Yeah, definitely. Or the treasure. Yeah, it certainly plays into our fantasies, I think, of being, first off, just being an important person in history. If you're the guy right. who discovers, you know, the lost, a lost book in the Bible or, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Holy Grail or any of these kind of religious, you know, the second menorah or any of these kind of, besides, again, like this religious iconography or whatever. But if you're the person that discovers something um, that has been hidden or has been lost for some time, you first off, your name immediately goes into the history books in some ways, unless you're the guy that discovers the dead sea scrolls, in which case you just like sell them and no one knows who the heck you are. But anyways, the, the important thing, or I guess kind of, I think there is a part of it that is this idea of it, it immediately thrusts you into, it, it thrusts you into history in an important way. And it also, like you said, has these parts to it or these kind of motifs of, uh, you know, a knight or a, a learned person or someone on right. a mission right. on a on a quest to get it's ultimate quest, knowledge. Yeah. It is it is a true. Yeah. It's a quest in its truest forms. And actually, that's part of I think one of my personal favorite versions of this myth, which are those kind of religious Templar esque uh, fantasies. Oh yeah, where it's it is again part of this idea that the people in the past could speak to us in the future or had planned this 
in some way. They'd planned for us to get this information. That's kind of a crazy, I mean, if you think about it, that in itself is sort of an, a wild thing to suppose, you know, it's part of, there's, there's these, oh, yeah. there's like a list of 12 or like 12 or 15 or something um, meant like a mental, what are they called? Like mental, uh, not disorders, but like a mental, uh, like a, like a, an error in thinking an error in logic, you know? Yeah, and so she should be looking out for. And so there's some, well, well so there, but there are things that, no, no, that's the thing. There are things that people do all oh. the time. Right. But there are things that you don't recognize you do. Right. So one of them is like catastrophizing or um, jumping to conclusions or, uh, oh yeah, like biases. Right. Yeah, like assuming yeah. assuming that you mm-hmm. un- assuming you know the intentions and the beliefs of other people immediately without ever talking to them, right? So, you know, an example of that would be mm-hmm. you go to the store, you buy something, you say kind of a weird joke to the guy who's, you know, checking you out at the register and then you leave and the, and later on in the day you're like, "Oh my god, that was so embarrassing. That guy must have thought I was an idiot." Well, that guy didn't hear you. You know, he just assumed you right. said, have a good one. And he doesn't think about you anymore at all. But in your brain. Or he does think you're just a total whack. Well, whatever, whatever, right. But fine. still, you have no you have no evidence to support that idea. So why do you think that? And it's just because you're making this kind of normal mental error in processing. Um, It's kind of like a it's one of those, but taken to the extreme where you think that because you are reading a pattern in something or seeing uh, some hidden meaning that it must exist. It must be there in the first place uh, when really you're just picking patterns out of random. I mean, the, yeah. the, so the, yeah. so my favorite, my favorite treasure story is the Knights Templar. Oh God. I love that one. And so my favorite one of these actually comes Come on, from, man, that's a good one. That's it is a, a very good one, right? So for those that don't know, for those that don't know, the Knights Templar were this. They were a religious sect back during the Crusades. They if had, you don't know the Knights Templar, and you're listening to us, please. Yeah, I don't please, really people. Yeah, I don't, really, I don't really know what you're doing but, here, but I'm sorry. Anyways, they were the, they were a religious sect that gained a lot of power. They essentially were kind of some of the first banks, some of the first um, money lenders, money uh, borrowers, you know that kind of stuff, right? And so by doing this and by helping to kind of help travelers get, they almost started up the first version of insurance in some ways. Um, and so the way that this happened, um, or essentially what happened was they built up this, uh, what's the word? They essentially created this, this system of like a thousand or something, uh, like fortifications, like forts around between Europe and, and the Holy land. And, mm-hmm. um, at these places you could come and you could like borrow money or you could stay and be safe and you could keep your money from when you got yeah. back or whatever. And essentially right. they became basically like a, it's the crusades. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so, it's for it, it. It's so the Ottoman empire does not take all of your, you know, it's exactly. a safeguard against the Ottoman empire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what happened though, is that um, they were in kind of in cahoots with the Pope and the church at some point. And then a new Pope comes into power, Pope Clement V. Um, so eventually what happens, so they build up this kind of big corp, like, like almost a corporation, almost this big company. Mm-hmm. And what event, what, what essentially happens is that um, there's kind of a, a long winded political disagreement between the Pope and the King of France and the Templars and this other group. And essentially what occurs is that the King of France decides that all the Templars are going to be killed. 
he's gonna he's gonna murder all of them. Yeah. And so he comes up with these charges Succinct. that says Yeah. Comes up with these charges that say they are blaspheming, they're like doing mm-hmm. this crazy stuff to crosses and relics and whatever and all this all this stuff. And so they behead them. They they behead the leaders of the Templars. But so the the theory goes that the Templars had some uh, from the from the Crusades, from their protection of people, from being in the Holy Land, that they must have gotten mm-hmm. or did get important religious relics of one sort or the other. So there's yes. a famous book that's actually a famous hoax that we have to do an episode on someday called uh, Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Oh, my God. Oh, um, my God. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, It's like a super yeah. hoax. It's like a super duper hoax. But oh, yeah. anyways, oh, it's good. Uh, theories will abound about what the hidden treasure of the Templars was and where it went. And so one theory is that the Templars mm-hmm. treasure is the Holy Grail itself. Others are that mm-hmm. it is um, it is the, the Ark. Ark of the Covenant. It is mm-hmm. uh, it is Jesus's bloodline. It is a child that Jesus mm-hmm. fathered and then um, continued down the ages. That's kind of what's in Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Others are mm-hmm. there's all kinds of ones. Right. And so uh, the Templars, because they have this kind of mythical proportionality given to them, are said to have reached, you know, well, they reached the United States. They reached uh, they reached Asia. They reached, you know, Atlantis. They reached yeah. wherever. Right? They've been the Templars They're, have been they everywhere. No, yeah. Well, and yeah, exactly. They there's they have no limits, right? Yeah. They became almost this, uh, yeah, the the knights of God, right? It's like that's they were like the archangels on earth type of thing, safeguarding the relics. Yeah. Now, what what gets into this thing that we were talking about before is this is this mm-hmm. this um, this religious commune called Rene Le Chateau, which is. Uh, in Southern France, this, uh, this, this kind of little chateau, right? This, this area, this kind of religious monastery, I guess, for lack of a better term, has all kinds of crazy iconography all around it. It's got an altar to Mary Magdalene. It's got, um, Mm -hmm. it's got like skulls and memento mori and crossbones and these, wacky mm-hmm. statues and stuff and all this word like there's a there's a there's a inscription um on one of the columns that says terribles est locus east which stands which says this place is terrible that's above the church entrance there's um I'm telling you there's a the demon asimodius what a like is just want to dig into all of it well what's right? crazy like, of course there's something awesome what's crazy there. is that there's oh my God. there are also all these other pieces of iconography of demons so one of the famous ones is the demon Osmodius is holding up on his back, actually, the holy water font. So as you come into a Catholic church, there's a an area where there's holy water. You're supposed to go and bless yourself, and then you can go into the church. Um, in this chateau, it's a demon holding up that water font. So it's a really – it's like – it's interesting, and it's strange, and it's weird. But people have read all kinds of stuff into it. It's supposed to just being like – Maybe this guy was like a, a really early adopter of Hot Topic, you know. Like maybe this guy was just in the spooky stuff. Maybe whoever designed this he was, was going he was wild. Emo. Yeah, like maybe he was, he was just, just going crazy. Emo. It's Skrillex is great. He was like, you know, great. we need. I don't know. We need more skulls, you guys. We need some skulls. I'm telling you, it's gonna look good. I mean, it could be. It could, it could be anything, right? But people read into this that it's this long. You know, through the centuries, 
meaning and you know every year people right. are like oh there's new meaning to this because you know today the heart right. symbol means this and you know it's just people build meaning and it, it doesn't it doesn't actually mean anything as far as we can tell to this day i mean it has meaning of course someone did it it seems like on a purpose but trying to figure out what that purpose was is you know it takes serious archaeology it's not like um right I don't know your uncle. Historic context. Yeah, your uncle isn't going to do it yeah. in his basement. You can't. You can't appropriate your Western twenty-first century, you know, sort of nomenclature and thought process to it. Right? It's like it means something for that time, and it doesn't mean the same thing today. And I think that that's really hard to remember, even though it's really apparent. Right? If you see a a owl in, um in like Japanese storytelling, it doesn't mean wisdom, right? It means something else. Yeah. It, it, it has a different, everything has a different sort of a different lens on it that, that is not going to be readily apparent to, to you if you are not, you know, if you don't have, if you don't have that sort of translator for it. Yeah. It's, um, but that doesn't mean that the grail's not there because it totally is, dude. It's totally there. This is the kind of stuff I love, right? Because it's like it's such it's such an easy little step to get from like, yeah, no, everything makes sense up to this point, and then you just take that one that one little step, and you're right in there with the Knights Templar, you know, hiding hiding Jesus's it's, son. It's, or yeah, it's not it's, right? it's not um it's not it's a long walk, but it's not a it's not a long walk if you know what I mean. It's not a long walk to the first yeah, step, I guess it's I'd a long say. Walk. It's not a long walk, but yeah. it's, not, it's pretty fun. It's what's pretty entertaining. Your, uh, what's you your favorite? What could happen? What's your favorite mystery, Marie? Your favorite lost treasure? Oh man, my favorite lost treasure. Well, we we've talked like I, I'm like kind of a fan of all of them in some ways. Like I do love the fact that you know you have Oak Island. We've already done a million different things about Oak Island, but you have this one, you have this one place people just keep digging and just keep trying to tear up. It's got to be in here somewhere. No, it's not. It's not in the money pit. All right, we're gonna look in deep core, deep bore, whatever it is, nine, and no, it's not there. And that's we just keep getting the the technology just keeps amping up. Right, they they keep like bringing in the newer, the better, the bigger, the faster. You know whatever it is to find out whatever's on this island. And it's just like, nope, you should maybe try the swamp. Yeah. What's what's funny. Like it, it really does make you wonder though, right? In, in a hundred years, let's say they find nothing, you know, in a hundred years, are we going to be like, you know, you know, there's a thousand foot deep hole. We're still going. They could have gotten down here. They had a lot of shovels back in the day. You know, it just seems to me like at what, you know, at what point, and this is a question we get into a lot or a question that I, I like, I think about a lot, I guess is mm-hmm. at what point does a mystery stop being worth investigating? <laughs> you know, like I think, I think about like, so I think, and I don't know if you had the same, yes. or if you even remember this Isn't that the time. question about answers. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, there was, yeah. yeah. There was a period of time in like the nineties, Maybe like late eighties to early nineties, like mid nineties, early two thousands, where I felt like everyone was opening vaults on TV or looking. Oh my god, for, I loved it. 
Yeah. Or looking for like lost Egyptian mummies or, you know, whatever. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Our Jimmy Hoffa's tomb. Yeah. Jimmy, was, yeah right? Al Capone's vault, right? Was, Al Capone's was, vault. Was the Rivera that one stuff. that was famous. Oh, my God. There was God. another one, too. The, the History Channel's done a couple of these over the years, if I remember correctly, where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's, there's this one guy who's got like a stranglehold on Egyptian antiquity studies. Um, what is his name? Or well, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter at this point, but. Anyways, this guy is always on these shows and he's like, oh, we're going to look into the sarcophagus or we're going to look into the tomb of the pharaoh and we're going to see what we see. And I'll never forget. They had this like they had this like a LED, like a not an LED, but like a I guess maybe an LED or like a fiber optic camera that mm-hmm. they put. They fed the fiber optic camera through this little hole. It was an air shaft that supposedly looked into the tomb where there would be stuff. And when they pushed it through, it just got it just hit a rock. And they were just like, well, there's a rock. We can't there's a rock. We can't do anything else. We can't, you know, we can't go any further than that. There's a rock there. And it's like, I stayed up. I convinced my mom uh-huh. to let me stay up until 11 o'clock at night. Of course. To see a rock. Of course she did. Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous, yeah. Maria. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that that's it, though. It's like, when do you call it quits in your head? Or when does your head let you call it quits? Because, I mean, again, confirmation bias. Things, you would, you'll be able to explain why that rock is there and why that's part of the narrative if you're bought in enough to the conspiracy of it right and so that's where i think that's where i think people have uh, a problem letting go because i also think it's tied to there are certain things that are just going to be unknowable which drives me personally crazy i don't like that you also get that idea you also though get to a point too where the gambler's fallacy starts to come involved become involved right yeah I didn't yeah. I didn't find the Oak Island treasure in this hole. It'll be the next right. one. I'm due. It'll be the next one. Yep. I'm due. Yep. And yep. um yep. yeah, it's crazy. I don't know, man. So oh, God, listeners. I think that that's my I know. I know, but we're not done, listeners. We're not done. We're gonna take it a step further. Because again, like Chris says, the gambler's fallacy. Just because we didn't discover a treasure in this episode doesn't mean that we're not going to in the next episode or the episode after that. Because hear me now, Christopher Cogswell, we are finding treasure. Oh, we're going to find it, absolutely. We're finding treasure. I've identified the treasure. We're going to read the clues. (laughs) And then then we are going out. If we're going to, I'm, 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 uh, I'm going to find some shovels or some, some, some stuff in our backyard. I'm getting in the van picking you up, quitting the jobs, and we're finding treasure. Dear listeners, this episode we talked about what it takes or what the thinking is between behind being a treasure hunter in some ways. Next episode, we're going to delve into the history of those folks who kind of did it. Kind of maybe sort of did. They did yes. It. They did it. They yep. they looked for yep. treasure. I don't know if they found yep. any, but they looked for it, yep. which will be great. Great. This is weird. It's great. It was great. That was good. Yeah, maybe we should. Yeah, I think it was good. It was good. I'm excited for next episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at Mad Scientist Pod or at Team Giant Squid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, 
and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. We love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen. Our web design is done by Desdemona Howard. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.